Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to Geek Town Radio, episode 90. This week I have with me Andrew. Hello everybody. Hello, how are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, I'm fine. Um, looking forward to the end of this year. <laughs> yes, you and the rest of the country, I think. <laughs> or the start, rather, the start of next one, hopefully. Yes, yeah, I just... If you just stop with the craziness this year would be good. Yep, um, yep. You know, and stop with the craziness, and and stop killing famous people. It's been a it's it's like some uh, you know whichever omnipotent being you believe exists has sort of run out of entertainment, and he's just randomly killing off favorite his favorite actors and musicians. So, well, killing off people and, and literally making things that that were. Uh, that happened in twenty-year-old Simpsons episodes come to come to life. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, it was funny the first time round. Um, not funny the second time round. I'm afraid. Sorry, Donald. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's ah, deeply disturbing. So yes, we've the the show this week. Uh, we're a little bit light on news this week uh, because uh, you know the Americans seem to have something better to do than post entertainment news at the moment. It's like they're all kind of you know worrying about something else right now. So. Um, we have got some stuff that for you, though, so uh, we've got an interview coming up, so you've got that to look forward to, and hopefully it'll take your mind off everything else that's going on in the world. Um, well, exactly. <laughs> I think Charlie Brooker summed it up pretty much exactly right when he was hosting Have I Got News For You last week, um, <laughs> and basically described recent events as, ah! <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yes. No, no, words, no words necessary. But on the... On the note of 2016, before we get into the, the tortling and things, can I just say a few words about uh, Robert Vaughn? Yes, sure. Instantly recognisable and, and, and hugely popular and very, very prolific actor um, taken away from us yeah. this week at uh, 83 years old. Um, the original solo long before Star Wars um, and the last man standing of the original Magnificent Seven as well. Yes, um, yeah. Remembered most likely for his role in The Man from Uncle, but he was also popular in the final series of The A-Team, which was one of one of my two favourite shows in younger years. Oh, wow, yes, I've forgotten he was in that. Yeah, brilliant. He was, yeah. So, um, yeah, rest in peace, Robert Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. I, I particularly remember him from Hustle was was the thing yes. that I remember him most recently in, where he played Albert, Albert Roper. And he was absolutely brilliant in that. It's a it's a great shame that we've uh, we've lost somebody so great. I mean, you know, eighty odd years is not a bad run, but just this year we've lost so many people I could do without losing any more, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
but uh, yeah, let's say 80, 83 is a, is a decent innings and his his filmography and his um, stage and TV performances speak for themselves. I think he'll be remembered for a long time to come. Yes, yeah, I think you are. So what else have you been doing this week? I made the cardinal mistake of watching too much news, unfortunately, and not, <laughs> not enough light entertainment. Um, yeah. So I, over the next few weeks, I'll be correcting that. Um <laughs> But speaking of, of of news and light entertainment, one of the one of the enduring popular shows on Geek Town um, is obviously Walking Dead, and I I suspect I'm a bit different to everybody else, but I'm afraid after watching the first episode of the new series, um, even by Walking Dead standards, that was too much for me, and I'm at the moment I'm not watching it anymore. Right. That well, that's interesting because I I believe it's suffered a bit of a slump in the ratings in the US as well. Yeah. Um, which is a bit of a problem because it's not like they can cancel it because they've already ordered the next series. So, <laughs> well, well, exactly. Um, I mean, I think, I think where I'm coming from is that it's absolutely fine. The, the gore and the, you know, the cartoonish blood and splatter when it's zombies that we're talking about, but that opening episode was, you know, human on human. Um, and it was, way more graphic than pretty much even the game of thrones i think um oh yeah no i think you're right and it, it just it, it it stepped across a line i didn't realize was was in me um showing my age perhaps and i suspect it will be neither here nor there for for most people but you know that's the, the real world is full of enough bleakness um i'm gonna stick to things like mock the week <laughs> yeah i i don't know i it, I sort of have a feeling for what it was, I think it, it sort of needed to be something utterly shocking that episode when it came back. And I think it did that. As you say, some people I like yourself, I think do seem to be saying they thought it went a bit too far. I, I, I don't know. I sort of, I, I found it very disturbing, but I, I can see why they pushed it as far as they could. Yeah. Because I think it's such a monumental shift for the show that it needed to be something very graphic and very different. And, you know, I, I don't think it was just done for the sake of being gory. I think it was done to go to, to really push home this idea that this is something major. It's going to change everything because Negan is a major new character for the series and he he's stamping his authority all over it. And I think I, I think it was sort of justified, but I can understand entirely why some people have looked at it and gone, no, that was too much. You know? Yeah, I, I did feel very sort of Duncan Bannatyne when I, I said to myself that I'm out. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is a fantastic actor and he pulled it off impeccably, but I did prefer him his lighter tones when he was in Supernatural. Yeah. But it does make you wonder, you know, with it having been renewed already, what are they going to do in the next premiere? What, well, what more can they do? They've Is there is there more of the, the same to come? Well, they've, I don't know. They've said that they are going to try and avoid cliffhangers, I think, from now on, because that sort of upset, I think, as many people as, as were happy about it, or upset more people than those were, that were happy about it. So... I, I think they've they're not gonna be doing the cliffhanger thing again. But yeah. that doesn't stop them leaving her in a fairly precarious situation. But uh, yeah, they're not gonna do the very obvious cliffhanger, I don't think, again. Right. So I don't know. Well the other thing is, of course, I, th I believe I read him having said that they did record various 
um, scenes where each and every one of the victims was basically battered to death. Yes, yeah. So he had to go through that every time, including the pregnant Maggie. And, you know, even though it's acting, it couldn't have been all that enjoyable, really. No, I mean, they actually said during the filming of it that I remember uh, Jeffrey D. Morgan was saying that you know, it took hours and hours and hours to film that. And quite often when you're doing that sort of thing, if they're just filming shots of him, you would either put in stand-ins to to replace the actors or you put, like, you know, golf balls on sticks to give you an eye line. Um, So not everybody has to be there. But he was saying because they wanted to get that feeling of it being so authentic, the actors all wanted to be there. And when they shot the stuff in the circle, they were there for the pretty much the entire time. Yeah. Which is 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 not common on those sort of shows. So it was, it was a very interesting scene to kind of shoot and put together. But um You never know. I mean next next season if, if Bobby Ewing comes out of the shower and it was all just a dream, I might come back <laughs> I might come back to it, but uh, at the moment, th- there are plenty of things to watch. Um, but yes. anyway, so that's The Walking Dead anyway. Um, it, ge- it gets lighter. It gets lighter from this point on, folks. We've done we've done real life. We've done The Walking Dead. We've got some fun stuff to come up. <laughs> so what, what else have you been uh, looking at? Well, as I said last time, I was hugely enjoying uh, The Return of Red Dwarf. Yes. Um, which just suddenly seemed to end. It just it just wasn't being picked up by TiVo anymore. And then I remembered, of course, there were only, whatever it was, six episodes, but it just seemed to disappear without any indication that it was a, a series ending. Yeah, I think that seemed to be the case. But then thinking back, Red Dwarf has always been a bit like that. It always has, except the ending of... Um, Series six. I think it, it it always has been very episodic. Yeah, and and I suppose it was the ending of series two where it ended with Lister being pregnant. I think. Oh yeah. So yeah, they have done big, major sort of semi cliffhanger endings, but then you know they returned for series three and completely disregarded the end of series two. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, exactly. But speaking of series three, I went back and watched um, backwards recently. Oh yeah. Which I th- Season three, probably my uh, well that that and White Hole from series four, not my my, my favourite episodes, and even to this day, and they're some of these are what twenty five years old, still make me laugh out loud. Yeah, they are brilliant, particularly Plant those earlier stuff. episodes. Yeah, yeah, um, but there's there's another series next year, isn't there? Yes, there is, which has already been shot. So that's possibly also why it seems like it's it doesn't seem like a series ending because. They've actually shot them all together, so it's possible that some of the episodes... I I don't know whether they specifically had them planned as, you know, six and six, or whether they just shot 12 and then decided which episodes they were going to show afterwards. So I don't know. But, um, yeah, they've actually shot the next series already. Okay, well, we'll look forward to that one. Yeah. And what else? I think it comes up later in the in the list, but we've got humans back. Yes, humans returned for episode three last night. Yeah, I haven't got to episode three yet, but it it, it looks the ending of series one looked like there was going to be some significant resolution in series two. You know, an uprising or whatever you might. But it, it seems to be going down the route of very much a slow burner with no actual resolution. A, a bit like The Walking Dead, but a lot nicer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, it looked like at the end of series one that there was going to be this big kind of awakening and robot res- resolution. And as as Niska says in the first, I think it's in the first episode, it didn't happen how they expected it to. And it's being no. very sporadic and it's spreading more like a virus in that, you know, odd people are picking it, are, are getting 
uh, or, or odd, odd numbers of the synths are becoming sentient and it's not on mass, which is what they thought it would do. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting, it, uh, but it, it, I think it makes for a, a better story because I think just having all the synths wake up at the same time would have been a bit difficult to deal with and you'd sort of end up with all out war whereas doing it this way it looks more like just some of them are malfunctioning yeah but yes i'm thoroughly enjoying that series i think it's fantastic i'm really it's very it's very good i think i think its popularity here is responsible well i don't know but it's i enjoyed watching the first series of the original one but i haven't been able to watch the second i think there's two series of the original swedish Yes, uh, because although obviously it was released in Sweden, um, I can't speak Swedish. I picked <laughs> it up. I picked the first series up in Germany and watched watched it in Swedish with German subtitles. But it was it, it doesn't seem to have been released series two in Germany, so I wasn't able to do that unfortunately. Okay, so I haven't I haven't seen that. Also helps if you can speak German if you're going to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, very true, <laughs> very true. <laughs> But um, yes, I, I, I haven't seen any of the original series, but I am definitely enjoying this. I, I believe they diverge quite a bit. So be interesting to see just, you know, if they did release a version with English subtitles, it'd just be interesting to be able to compare. Them. Yeah. And, and kudos to kudos for making something uh, this good. Yes. Well, kudos is one of those brands that you always, if you hear the name of it, it's one of those companies that you think, oh, well, that's probably going to be quite good because it's rare that they don't make something which is at least interesting, if not hugely popular. So, you know. Yeah. For, for, for those that don't know, they're the company behind Spooks um, and Hustle. I think they did have one failure, commercial failure. Was it not, was it Outcast or Out? Oh yeah, the um, uh, lasted one series and then disappeared. Yeah, the space thing that um, yeah. Jamie Bamber yeah. was in—I seem to remember. But um, yes, that didn't go particularly well. But they also did Ashes to Ashes and Life on Mars as well. Um, yeah, yeah, like you say, Spooks. Uh, there's a whole raft of TV shows they've done. So you know, uh, they're, they're one of those companies that if I see they're attached to it, I. It, it makes my ears stick up and think, oh, I better go and make sure we follow that. So um, anything else? Uh, I think that's probably it. I mean, as I say, uh, have I got news for you? I've got Legends of Tomorrow waiting for me, but I haven't started that yet. Right. Um, I probably should start watching season two. I, I really did enjoy season one, although I did get the kind of sense that it's never actually going to go anywhere much. They'll chase this guy around and around. They might get him, and then some other baddie will pop up. Um, I just wonder if it's written without an ending in mind. Um, perhaps I'm being overly sceptical. I don't know. I think, I mean, well, season one, they did they did catch the bad guy, I think, at the end mm-hmm. of season one. And it did resolve with the destruction of the Time Masters at the end of season one. So... Season two changes tack slightly because they're now not changing after um, Vandal Savage. Season two, they've basically taken over the job of the Time Masters. So they're trying to stop time criminals and time anomalies happening. But there is also a new group known as the Legion of Doom who are uh, consist of, I think it's Malcolm Merlin, Ibod Thorne, Damien Dark, and Captain Cold, I think is the fourth member. So they've sort of banded together 
and I think it's Eobard Thorne kind of basically messing around with the timeline right. again. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's always going to have a timeline thing. Just what else? Oh, the other, the, the, the last one I have written down here uh, is the return of everybody's favourite Czech shirt wearing bearded comedian, Mr. Dave Gorman. Yes, yes. Very samey, um, but very funny. Oh, hilarious. Just, yeah. I love that show. I've I've loved Dave Gorman for a very, very long time. I think he he's, ever since he did the uh, I'm Dave Gorman TV show where he went and found other Dave Gormans, which was a stupid bet that he made with his friend and took him halfway around the world or all the way around the world looking for other people called Dave Gorman, which was the first kind of big thing he did. Yeah. Um, and then has gone on to do various other things of that sort of nature. The first episode was interesting. He talks quite a lot about people assuming he's a geek which uh, you know i thought i found quite appropriate for us because you know he's he's talking about the fact that people assume that he's a fan of star wars and star trek and you know oh he's a geek i i would argue he's not a geek he's a nerd because he likes stats he likes stats and likes graphs and like and to me that's a kind of more nerdy thing than a sort of geek culture thing, you know? Fair so enough. so that, that that's the distinction I would make. Uh, but yes, I, I did find that really funny and I found it really interesting. And the practical joke that he was playing on his friend, I thought was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, and, you know, bringing it back to real life, it, 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 these kind of things are just perfect for an evening where you've been onslaughted by the news. Yeah. Dave Gorman and, uh, you know, the panel shows and things, they, they, they are, um, a lot of them are very, very good yeah i mean i had uh, i've had a couple of things to to watch this week as a way of sort of brightening my week up one of them was uh i was sent a link to billy Connolly high horse um which is the live broadcast of his uh or the sorry the recorded broadcast of his high horse show his tour which i think started last year and i think still going at the moment right billy Connolly for you know obviously i think everybody knows him as you know stand-up comedian and also actor uh he's had a very rough last couple of years he was diagnosed with prostate cancer which thankfully he's now gone um he was also diagnosed with parkinson's so i did wonder whether we'd ever actually see him doing stand-up again and the DVD is brilliant, though. I mean, he moves around a lot less. He's got, uh, I don't know whether you know anybody that's got Parkinson's, but there is a particular stance that they tend to have. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my father suffers from Parkinson's. And, uh, you know, so it's... It's kind of stooped. Yes, the, there's a sort of stooped posture to it. And he has got that sort of stance. And he's not jumping around as, as much as he was. But his mind is still unbelievably sharp and it's still absolutely billy connolly it's classic billy connolly he's still got the mouth of somebody that grew up on the um docks in glasgow you know working as as a welder in a boatyard and the stories are still hilarious and funny and absolutely brilliant and makes you laugh so hard you can't breathe it's just (laughs) brilliant absolutely superb so um yeah if you if you're looking for somebody if you've got somebody in, in your family who's a comedy uh, who's a comedy fan and you're looking for something to give them f- for christmas that billy Connolly dvd is well worth getting because it is hilarious and while while he still uses the the odd naughty words he has mellowed 
uh, a bit in in older age. I mean, obviously, some of the stand up stuff from the seventies and eighties that he did, every second word. Oh yeah, was, yeah, yeah, was was naughty, um, but not now. No, it, it's uh, more pointed, I think, when he uses words these days. And the whole stand up is a little bit more reflective, I think, than maybe previous stuff, but. Uh, you know, the guy's 73. So you sort of expect that regardless of whether he was suffer- had suffered from illnesses or not. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, a lot but- of people would have retired by now and by that point. And, uh, exactly. And Great. There's sort of various stories about his life and, you know, his travels and various people he's met. It, just very funny. Very, very funny. So I recommend that to anybody if, if you can get it's It's actually available to buy on digital download right now. It's also available on DVD and Blu-ray, I think, from today. So go and look for it. So there was that. Went and saw uh, Doctor Strange with uh, Adam, who very occasionally does this podcast as well. Um, yeah. So we, we went to see Doctor Strange, which I really enjoyed. Classic sort of marvel movie it's funny it's well put together uh interesting to see them bring magic into the world what i found kind of odd was the portals that they jump through are basically like giant catherine wheels which, <laughs> <laughs> which having having just sort of had uh guy fawkes you just kind of you were looking at it going it's an odd thing for them to choose as i don't know it just felt a bit weird but it looks brilliant uh benedict cumberbatch is always entertaining to watch so worth going to see if you're a fan of the marvel movies the other thing i've been binge watching through recently is the expanse as well which is on netflix it's this huge space opera thing that's it's been very much described as game of thrones in space centers around three factions it's set in a time when the human race has started colonizing our own solar systems so there are people living on mars there are people on earth and there are people on a sort of asteroid belt so you've got these three factions that are at war or on the brink of war and there is an event that happens in the first episode which looks to be tipping them towards war, but it's whether or not Mars are actually to blame for what happens or whether there is somebody else trying to manipulate things from behind the scenes. So that's that's the basic premise of it. That sounds interesting. Um, not being a Netflix owner, I suspect, it, is, it, is it going to be one of these ones that just never comes out anywhere else? Or I, one does, because they, 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 they seem to have two types on netflix don't they yeah the the ones that tend to come out somewhere else are either netflix originals that they've had for a while on netflix and eventually they'll come out on dvd or if it's something that they bought in like this in actual fact is a sci-fi show it's Uh it's a sci-fi us show not a netflix original series so it is entirely possible that this may come out on DVD somewhere um, or end up actually coming to, to the Sci-Fi Channel over here. But, for, I mean, it was a hugely popular show when it was released in America, and for some reason it took forever to land over here, and I'm not entirely sure why. But it's really good. It's It takes some concentrating because there are two or three different story th- threads going on which eventually will mesh together and cross over. But the, you're, you're watching kind of, you know how Game of Thrones does it, where you're kind of you know, watching something in Dawn and then something in Kings Landing and then something in the North. And, you know, it's that sort of thing of there's, there's things going on all over the place, but at some point they're going to pull together. But it, it's really interesting. It's really good. I've been watching that. Also, the thing that started, I think, last night was uh, Mars sticking with the space theme 
on the National Geographic channel, I think it is, that are running yeah, this. Right. Which is a, a sort of part, it's part sort of science documentary, part sci-fi. So what they do is is that the the drama bit of it is set in 2033 with the first manned human landing on Mars. So you're sort of following that. And what they're saying is, you know, the reason we got here is based on work that was started many years ago. So then it flashes back to present day, 2016. And then that side of it looks at all the stuff that SpaceX are currently doing with Elon Musk about Mm -hmm. stuff that they're planning for how you might live on Mars. So it's this weird kind of mix of part documentary and part drama. But if you're into your space sort of things and you're into your science, it's a really interesting show to watch, but that's on National Geographic at the moment. So it's worth going to watch. The first episode went out last night. I wonder if sci-fi seems to be taking a, it seems to be having a a slight resurgence. Um, It might it might gradually knock out the the zombies and the ghosts and the vampires. In fact, vampires are beginning to go already, aren't they? Yes, yes, vampires are starting mm. to disappear. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, there's a lot of horror shows kicking around this season. Time travel as well, a lot this oh, season. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll so come to that. Yes, so there's quite a lot of that sort of stuff around. What else? Blacklist returned as well, which. Again, he's brilliant. Nice to see we're actually getting a few bits of resolution come to through to the blacklist. I believe <laughs> the end of this season, we get to hear what the relationship genuinely is between Liz and Red. So that'll be kind of interesting. I, there was a story popped up that sort of said something about it, and I quickly kind of saw the headline and then moved away from it, so I didn't actually find anything out. That's for the best, and you enjoy it more when you watch it. Yeah, it's always a problem doing this job, is avoiding spoilers for things. <laughs> <laughs> so yes that's that's been my sort of week really um this weekend coming up i just wanted to mention as well uh this weekend it's mcn comic con in birmingham so i will be there and wandering around comic con if uh, anybody else happens to be there just come up and say hello i shall be around either in costume or not i'm not entirely sure yet but we'll see but uh yes i if if you recognize my face be sure to say hello i will be uh round the nec at mcn comic con in birmingham i will give five gold stars in the comments to anybody that taps dave on the shoulder at comic con and says check it's recording (laughs) excellent on that note i think we should move on to some film and tv news first bit of film and tv news this week relates to stephen mangan the that that guy off green wing (laughs) and uh, episodes yeah, good on episode. Episode to which was absolutely brilliant. Um, so having done this slightly odd detour to do that awful Houdini and Doyle show, I don't know whether you ever saw any of that. I think it ran on ITV Encore over here. I think I saw one episode and that was probably about enough. Yes, that was exactly the same for me. Uh, so having done that, he's now coming back to pure comedy with a show on Sky Atlantic called Bliss, which also stars Heather Graham and Joe Hartley from This Is England. This is a show where 
Stephen Mangan stars as Andrew, a successful travel writer who, through extenuating circumstances, find himself living between two sets of wives and children whose existences are unknown to each other. Um, so he's in a constant state of moral crisis and must find a way to balance his time and energies between his wife Kim, played by Heather Graham, and teenage daughter, while travelling back and forth across Bristol to his other family and wife Denise, played by Joe Hartley, and their teenage son. As Andrew's two worlds become even harder to contain, so does his sanity and finds himself going on to increasingly drastic lengths to protect the two families he loves. It's written by David Cross, who a lot of you will know from Arrested Development and Increasingly Poor Decisions and Margaret Todd uh, who, as an actor, but he's also a writer, director and performer. So th- this is one of the things he's written. It's a co-production between Merman, which is the people that are behind Catastrophe, Divorce, uh, Margaret Todd, and Big Talk Productions are the people behind Cold Feet and Mum, and it's in association with David Cross's uh, production company as well for Sky Atlantic. It's, it sounds um, tiring as well as very, very funny. I think the exasperation um, will be played brilliantly. I think the casting is obviously very, very good yeah. there. I suspect he'll start off uh, calm and collected, and as the episodes go along, uh, increasingly tearing his hair out, which and, and those expressions that very few people can actually pull off, and Stephen Mangan is brilliant at it. <laughs> um, yeah. t- touched on some of that uh, in episodes, obviously as well. It's 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 not quite a pigeonhole for him, but it, it is one of these things he does very very well. Exasperated Englishman, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, uh, it is. I can't think of anybody better to star in it, except perhaps. Uh, well, it's, it's irrelevant, obviously now, but because uh, it's been cast. But the, 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 the tall chap that um, used to hang around with Ricky Gervais. Oh, uh, Stephen Merchant. Yes. But, yes, he he'd probably do that quite well as well. But uh, I think Stephen Mangan would be brilliant in this. Yeah, yeah, possibly. But uh, the other casting, quite interesting, Joe Hartley, who was in This Is England, which I, I'm sorry to say I still haven't managed to get around to seeing, which I know is awful because t- everybody tells me how great it is. But um, Joe Hartley's playing one of the wives, Heather Graham, who, you know, he's a big Hollywood star and, you know, a lot of people will know from various movies from Austin Powers and uh, Boogie Nights and various other films she's been in more recently as well so interesting to see her coming on to do tv although it is a sky atlantic show so that's sort of sky atlantic's kind of trying to be the hbo of the uk i think tv is we're beginning to no we're not beginning to it's been happening for a while we are seeing more and more big name film actors coming onto tv and the, the the sentiments were very much echoed by michael douglas recently when he said that you know that that is very much what he sees as taking up most of his energy i think uh, going forward um, yeah. being on TV, um partly because at his age and and, and whatnot the the uh, the roles in film aren't as interesting as the ones that might be available on tv well that's it i mean because the production qualities are so high on tv these days for an actor it must be better to be given, say, 10 hours to develop a character rather than two, two and a half. Yeah. You know? So um, I, I can see the attraction for an actor. Uh, I think Robert De Niro has just signed up for an Amazon series, if I remember correctly. Oh, um, right. I have to go and check that story, but I'm sure I, I caught a headline somewhere where it said they were doing a, a limited run on Amazon. I think it was a six episode thing or a 10 episode thing where he was one of the leads. So, you know, there are some huge actors that are moving into TV spaces as well. 
I'm sure some people that are TV actors are probably really upset by it. <laughs> well, exactly, because it's going to push them out. Um, it, but um, that, that, that's just the way it is, I suppose. It's like like being a member of the cast on The Walking Dead and every single role gets taken by an Englishman. Called <laughs> Game of Thrones as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Game of Thrones as well, that is true. So speaking of, of English actors, uh, cast of Netflix's The Crown, there was some interesting news about this that came through that uh the crown which is the series that follows the royal family and 10 downing street and sort of the relationship between the two um it's written by peter morgan it starts off in the early life of queen elizabeth and prince philip so basically just as the first season is as her ascent to the throne and the idea is that they're going to have six seasons each season covering 10 years of her reign, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. Netflix ordered it off the back of saying it's, it'll be 60 episodes spread over six seasons. At the moment, uh, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip are played by Matt Smith and Claire Foy. What they're saying is, though, that they're only going to keep the cast for two seasons and then replace everybody, which I thought was kind of interesting. Although it does sort of make sense, because if you're jumping through years, it's a case of you've either got to add to the makeup budget quite a lot every two years. Yeah, yeah. Or you entirely replace the cast with actors more appropriate to the age range that they're portraying. So, yeah, I just thought this was kind of kind of interesting that they've, they've announced that they are definitely going to switch out the cast every two years. So Claire Foy and Matt Smith will carry on as, be, as Elizabeth and Philip for these first two seasons and then they will be replaced when it comes back for its third season with people who are more middle-aged i guess at that point like like you and me <laughs> yes like <laughs> like you and me though I'm not sure i can pull off queen elizabeth to be honest uh, <laughs> you might want to rephrase that <laughs> oh yes mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> moving I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah moving on no I'm, i haven't seen this because again with the netflix thing but um i uh so i was struggling to get excited about it um my first reaction was yes it's going to be better than the, the elizabeth hurley uh <laughs> not <thing>. hard <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah which is not hard um but i don't know have you seen it have you been yeah watching it? i've i've been i've watched the first couple of episodes i mean mm-hmm. it's it's basically it depends whether you like peter morgan's stuff or not really he was the guy that did the queen he did yeah. the deal it's very much in that sort of vein. So it really depends whether you like that sort of stuff or not. But I, I really like Max Smith. I think he's really good in it. I think Claire Foy is, Foy is absolutely great as, as Elizabeth. It's a really interesting portrayal of the early life of, life of the Queen. And I mean, it also depends whether you're you're into the royals and you know, or find history particularly interesting. So, you know, you're talking about an era sort of after the war that Churchill is back in charge of as prime minister. So it's kind of interesting just to sort of watch these historical dramas unfold. I do wonder if they're going to move when they move forward with a lot of Peter Morgan stuff. Quite often you have actors that have played the roles in other dramas reprising them. So like Michael Sheen has played Tony Blair in three or four of, of Peter Morgan's dramas. So uh-huh. I do wonder if when we get to that point in the history of the show, whether you're going to get Michael Sheen to come back and play the role again. The, the problem with that is when you then sit down to watch something like Frost Nixon, 
you're struggling to remember why Tony Blair met Richard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is there is a certain amount of that. Although I mean, Michael Sheen's a good actor. I think he, you could separate the two reasonably yeah. well. And of course, he's also had Queen Elizabeth on screen and Prince Philip on screen in The Queen as well, which, where there were Helen Mirren and James Cromwell. So it's entirely possible you might be able to get Helen Mirren to come back to play that role again, maybe. In, in the final series, perhaps. Yes, in the in the final series, you might be able to persuade her to come back and do it. So I don't know. It, it, it opens up some interesting possibilities. Um, yeah. It also means that you keep the cost down because you're not having to, to, to add to the amount of money you're paying the actors each season. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. exactly. So, uh, so, yes, I thought that was kind of interesting. And one final news story this week. CW has bought a new magic crime drama from the creators of iZombie called Criminal Magic, which is the most original title in the world. But anyway, it's an hour-long drama from the iZombie writer Graham Norris and iZombie head honcho Rob Thomas and a couple of the exec producers behind it as well. So it's basically the whole team. It's described as The Departed meets The Vampire Diaries. Oh, goodness. Interesting mix. Set in present-day Los Angeles revolves around two warring street gangs who fight the cops and each other to corner the market on the most lucrative contraband of all, magic. A young woman hiding spectacular magical powers and an undercover cop must try and survive this glamorous world of speakeasies, crime and danger. So, Mm. yeah. of the untouchables in there as well yes it 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 basically seems to be a crime drama mixed with magic which if it's called criminal magic sort of makes sense so uh yeah i don't know borrowed the sort of criminal minds title with magic yes yeah that's kind of interesting um it's very cw you can guarantee the cast will all be unbelievably attractive as is as is usually happens with the cw drama uh i mean i really i don't know whether you've seen any of iZombie. probably not because it's on netflix but um i think i've seen clips of it on wherever on the internet on youtube whatever i've definitely seen clips of it uh, but i haven't seen a whole episode yeah i i zombies really funny really good show so i mean it's got a good set of people behind it CW, of course, loses the Vampire Diaries this year, so they're always looking for something to try and replace it with. Maybe this is the thing that can do that. I don't know. This isn't the only thing that Rob Thomas is developing for the CW. He's also developing this uh, Lost Boys TV series as well, which I think we mentioned a few weeks ago, which sounds kind of interesting because it's not a direct sort of copy of the movie. It's the Lost Boys, but... It's sort of setting. It it shows them at different periods of time. So the idea is, it's kind of an anthology series. That one. So the Lost Boys characters will stay the same, but the rest of the cast will change because each season will be set in a different decade. Right. So it's more of an adaptation than a continuation or or a remake. Then yes, it's sort of taking the idea of uh vampires in sort of small town america and playing with it i mean 
I don't know how close it will be to the whole Lost Boys setup, if at all. Because I think the idea is to start off in the 60s. So it's going to be three seasons before you get anything close to the movie. Because, you know, the movie was 80s, so... Yes, yeah. Won't see Kiefer Sutherland. No, you won't be seeing Kiefer Sutherland in there. Uh, You won't... I mean, you may do, but not in the same role. I mean, he may pop up as a a guest role. You won't be seeing... uh, whichever of the it's Corey is it Corey Feldman the one that's still Feldman. kicking around yes um yeah. so you may see Corey Feldman pop up at some point quite possibly but probably not in the same role you don't know but yeah don't hold your breath <laughs> yeah don't hold your breath so I don't know that but yes magical crime drama and a Lost Boys remake coming from Rob Thomas both for the CW that's that's if they can squeeze things on and uh, stop Greg Belanti from making shows for them because he's on like five yeah. shows for that network now wow it's a lot so uh yes speaking of greg belanti we have a greg belanti related interview coming up next it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This week's interview is with Director of Photography Malan Todd Williams. He is an award-winning Canadian native Director of Photography. He's currently the cinematographer on CW's critically acclaimed DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which of course is one of the Greb Belanti shows we've been talking about so much recently. Um, We talk about his work on the show, uh, what it's like to work with the cast, uh, what it's like just generally working amongst the Belantiverse and uh, life in Vancouver get a bit of sort of behind the scenes about what it's like working on a time travel show. So this is the interview with Malin. Hope you really enjoy it. We'll see you afterwards with some air dates. Hi, Malin. How are you? Very good. How are you? I well, thank you. You're on because you are the director of photography for Legends of Tomorrow is the main thing you're doing at the moment. For people that don't sort of know the film industry that well, can you explain what a director of photography is and does? Some people call it cinematographer. Some call it director of photography. It depends. Um, Basically, I'm, you know, in conjunction with the director, we sort of, we go through the script and prep and and, uh, we'll come up with a plan, you know, for a look of the show and And my job, I guess, is more working with the designer, working with the set designer, working with, you know, the grips and electrics and setting up a plan for the visual side of the, you know, the look of the show. And also making sure that what we're doing is working with the story that the director's trying to tell. Yeah. And you know, show it, don't tell it. Yeah. Our main thing and, or just helping, you know, the direction a scene needs to go or, you know, a character's arc, we try and sort of follow through the the script and sort of try and create lighting scenarios within the locations that we're getting or the times that we have to shoot to help try and add to that. Yeah. So how did you end up on Legends of Tomorrow? Uh, Dave Geddes, who is the other yeah. cameraman 
Joe, he had been hired first on the show. And when I, I had worked a long time ago as an assistant on a show Dave had worked on and, and I hadn't worked with him since, but um, he had got hired for the show and the show's so big, yeah. they have two of us to alternate. So one's prepping while one's shooting, which is great. Just be, you know, they're so it's such a huge amount of, you know, stunts and action and yeah. different locations and time periods. You, you need the time to prep for it. So uh, Dave realized, you know, and he's, I think it's the last 10 or 12 years. He, he said he's every show that he's done TV series, he's always alternated so that he's got time to yeah. prep. He was looking for somebody in town that could, uh, you know, deal with the scope of the show and, and was interested in doing, you know, an action show. And, uh, my name came up, I got a call from him and asked if I was available and interested, which I was on yeah. both counts. And, and, uh, you know, the, you get the phone call that you've been waiting sort of your whole career for and somebody just saying, Hey, I've got this awesome project. And are you interested in coming? Cause we've, you know, I've he's seen my reel and heard great things. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to, to get that phone call and said, yes. That's very cool. Did you know much about DC before you got into doing the show? Were you a fan of the comic books and stuff? I knew some of the characters, I guess I, um, about 10 years ago, I did a show called painkiller Jane, which oh, is a comic yes. book. And so I, I'd, I'd had an intro to shooting comic books shows and had an amazing time on that show and you know and then Dave told me it was a time travel show also which for me and him was one of the great selling points of the show too because every week you know you're all over the place yeah um, in 42 you know I was in we I did the Jonah Hex episode last year which oh. was awesome you know, yeah, lady. Yeah, it was fun. And, uh, you know, all the departments, wardrobe, hair, set design, everybody gets to, um, you know, to shine on each episode because it's not a doctor show or a lawyer show where you're going back to the same office mm. for 90% of the show. So that was an awesome drawing point. Yeah. That must be an incredible amount of work. It, and I mean, it's all shot in and either on the studio or around Vancouver, I assume. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you do a phenomenal job just creating these various different kind of environments from various different times, you know, in one location. It's a brilliant bit of work. It, it is. And it's, uh, you, you know, you sometimes you'll, you know, you'll get the breakdown before you get the script of, you know, where you're going and sort of just zip through it very quickly to check out which time periods we're going to. And then as soon as you start realizing you're going to be in, you know, late 1800s, I'll either pull up stuff that I've watched, just quickly go through and, you know, as a visual reference or pull up still frames online and yeah. start trying to create a bit of a lookbook or just, you know, something to start basing, you know, loosely um, what you're going to do. And then once you start, once you finally get a copy of the script, then we, I start going through it and highlighting stuff and then trying to match things in my head or, you know, the first images that sort of pop into my head while you're reading a scene and just sometimes either making a little sketch or a note in the script besides a piece of action or a location. And, yeah. and sometimes it's just more of a random thing. And then as you start going through the process of prep, things start clicking in or a location works really well for an image that I saw in my head and, yeah. and to apply it to the shoot day and just making sure that we have all the elements there, whether 
whether it's either building a set to help try and get that shot or or sometimes if we're going to practical locations, you know, just seeing what's there, which is, you know, a little more of um, using sort of, I guess, the documentary background is like going, walking into a location you've ne- never seen and then trying to find the right angles or for lighting to come in, the, the best way to highlight something or you know, sometimes we shoot at a location and say three walls of that location look like the time period, but for whatever reason, one of the sides doesn't. And yeah. then just with the director trying, you know, walking through with the script and loosely figuring out where the action's going to be and some of the blocking to, you know, adjust it so that we're hiding one piece of that or a window or whatever it is that's, yeah. that's, that's just not the correct time period. So that, you know, that stuff for me is a lot of fun and prep and you get to go crazy. And, you know, sometimes in your head, you know, I've got the $200 million movie version of it. And <laughs> at the beginning when you read the script and then you have to figure out how you're going to do it in like two hours of, of actual shooting time during the day. And, and sometimes you can take a little bit of the 200 million version and actually yeah. create some of that. And then you have to, just with the time constraints or, or whatever we, you know, you have to adjust it a little bit, but you can still go crazy with it and be super visual with it. And this, this show, I'm, I'm starting my process with post of giving them a list of shots that I want to pull for my demo reel. And, and, uh, the process is taking way longer than, uh, <laughs> than I thought it was going to, which is a good thing. Yeah. And, yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's just trying to narrow down an hour long TV episode into maybe half a dozen shots kind of yeah. thing. Cause you just, you don't have enough time on your, your reel to show everything. Yeah. Is there any occasion where you've looked through the script and gone, how on earth are we going to do that? Uh, just about every episode, actually. <laughs> There's always at least one or two scenes in there where you're like okay yeah whether it's some lighting logistical thing or yeah there's i I can't get into it because the show hasn't aired yet but the uh there's one episode in particular this season that um there's a there was an entire sequence where i read it and then i walked into the assistant director's office and she her eyes were wide and she just looked at me we had both finished reading the exact same scene and i'm like over the process of the next eight days of prep, you know, we finally, you know, we started figuring out how we were going to do it and get the stunt guys involved and find the location and all that. And, you know, you start chip away. So, I mean, it's good, actually. It's always, I've got to the point now where when that happens in my head, you know, it's going to be an awesome sequence. It's just a matter of cracking the code of how to do it. And that's, that, that is the fun part of prep. They seem to do that a a lot with all the Belanti shows. I, I mean, the, the fact that they put things like, I, I know this is Flash, but the fact that things in shows like Flash, they're putting things like Gorilla Grodd in and King Shark, you know, <laughs> and you look at that and think, just never in a million years would you thought those sort of, that, those characters would ever make it onto TV. Oh yeah, no, it's great. It's, I mean, I watch, I watch some of the other shows, their episodes, and I, you, you look at the final product and I'm like, I can't imagine... I mean, it's the reverse process. You see the image on screen and then in my mind, I, you know, have sort of, you know, a non-existent flashback of me reading that script and reading that scene going, how are we going to do this? Because when (laughs) you see the final product, you're just like, these guys did this in nine days. You know, all the shows 
basically the same shooting schedule. So crazy. Yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome, though. And um, like, I, I don't know if I'm so used to it at this point now. I don't know if I could <laughs> just do like a, my dinner with Andre or something with two actors just sitting at a table talking and <laughs> something would have to blow up in the background. Or <laughs> the car would have to come crashing through the window or something. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, obviously, there's there's two directors of photography and you also have all the crossover episodes that that come up on on seasons what happens with uh, your role when you get something like a crossover episode D- does does one person end up taking the lead as director of photography or do you all have to kind of get together in a cluster and kind of figure something out together <laughs> well the shows have sort of their own i mean it's it's all the same world but each show sort of has its own look and even though yeah. we have characters cross over I guess the main like sometimes some of the you know the techniques I guess that get used on the other shows with the character like we you'll find out about some of that and we'll try and match that or we'll you know we'll go in and use the same frame rates or right um, some of that and a lot of that is also in conjunction with the effects guys that they there's certain things that they have to do for each character or that we need to do with the camera and the lighting so that they're, they can do their portion in post right. to create whatever effect. And a, a lot of it is sort of with the effects guys and they sort of jump from show to show. Cause so they give us, you know, some shorthand notes of what the other shows did. And then sometimes we'll call directly to either the uh, director of photography on those shows or the, uh, the gaffers will talk about sometimes what gel color they're using for certain lighting situations. And yeah. That we like sometimes we've had to go to like on my episodes, I've had to be on the flash uh, sets. And so we go in like if there's windows there, they've got certain lights set up and certain gels set up. And so we use what they've set up yeah. so that, you know, the stuff matches. And yeah. some things do change a little bit, like some of our the lens choices between the shows are slightly different too. So, you know, some of the way our show, especially when it comes to action, you know, the mandate isn't to sort of shoot it super, I guess, North American traditional where there's a lot of cutting our show. There's sort of handoffs like you're the two people are fighting and then they're moving. They'll go out of frame and then we'll push into two other people fighting and then we'll go over to two more people fighting. So it turns into a bit more of one bigger shot i you know it's i like to think that it's more of a i guess sort of a feature style of you know shooting it and a a little more sort of hong kong i guess action style too where there's not as much cutting and just more dynamic camera movement which means you tend to be on a wider lens which also means you see more of a set so the locations become very important and then you know, and then also it becomes a little trickier when it comes to the lighting too, because not only are you seeing sort of this way, but you're going to see this way and then probably turn around and see that direction also. So everything rather than having, you know, a lot of times you can set a frame and then you can have a light or two lights just off to the right, but that's, you're not, you can't do that in this because you're going to start like this and then they're going to swing over to the side for the action. Yeah. And we shoot a lot of sort of lower, wider angles too. So ceilings on sets become super important. And then being able to rely on a light, maybe hanging from a, a roof 
position. So yeah, all that stuff becomes when you walk into a location, you know, that stuff all sort of clicks through your head about where you can and can't put a light. And sometimes when you first walk into a set, there's maybe three spots where it's easy to put a light. And then by the time you go, okay, so what's the action here? And then by the time you finish blocking out where the actors all go, those three spots have now disappeared because you're going to see all of them. And then you have, <laughs> to, have to figure out some creative way of still lighting it, making it look great, but now finding a spot, you know, maybe there's two square feet of a set that you can actually stick a light yeah. and still make it look great. But your job is to track that down and not just put a light through a window or something like that. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. That's that's always fun. Do you have any particular favorite character on the show? I guess a couple. You know, it's a, a bunch. Like Arthur's character, I really liked. Uh, you know, Dominic's always he's always got awesome dialogue in it. Yeah. And Victor uh, Stein's character, I also really like too. He's Victor's awesome to work with, and and I just I find you know the mix of all the characters. I guess. It's hard to pick one of them, I guess, because they're, you know, their Wentworth's character was also really great. I did the episode where he meets his eight-year-old self, and that was that was a fun episode to shoot. And that, that scene, was fun, yeah. It was a, yeah, it was amazing. So yeah. it, was, it was great. There's a, obviously a great dynamic between uh, Dominic and Wentworth, and uh, Victor and Franz as well, I think, are, are great as a, as a duo. I'm missing Wentworth a bit, but I know that a number of the characters sort of across the whole range of the DC shows sign new contracts this season that actually allow them to appear in any of the shows, which I thought was a really smart idea for some of those characters. I'm assuming that's just to allow them to to pop up kind of anywhere now. Well, in in our show in particular, um, being a time travel show opens the door for a lot of things to happen or you can be anywhere at any point, you know, you, you know, that fully opens the door for, you know, a lot of different things that you thought may not have been able to happen on other, other shows that completely opens the door for the writers to do it on our shows. So, uh, I think that that whole contract thing with the actors and opening that door will play out well on our show. Yeah. I'm, I I think that was such a smart idea when you've got that sort of connected universe you know, to, to have the, the actors available for anything. I think he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. I'm really like how the TV universe is developing over there. I I know a lot of people have complained that it's separate from the movie universe, but I, I actually don't mind it so much because it's allowed them to use Superman on Supergirl, which they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. So, you know, yeah, no, it's good. It's, you know, one of my favorite things to do now, a couple of days after the episode airs, at least in North America is to go online. There's a group of people that do video reviews and they watch the show and you can see it picture in picture. So you can, and for me, it's cool because a lot of times in the reviews, you know, it's it's more story and character, which is great. Uh, but you can actually hear people's reactions to a shot that comes up or something that we lit. They they may not specifically talk about it, but you can actually see, you know, when people are wowed by something that we've done, and and it's fun to see actual reaction from somebody. And 
uh, on camera and, and, and in time with the show, like as they're watching it for the first time. So it's, it's, I thought, I thought that was fun. I watched a bunch of it on our hiatus actually <laughs> when I started watching the reviews and, and it, you know, it's, the show is so busy that even, you know, not just this show, but other things like I'll come back and I'll actually see something that I've shot a year before. And there's, you know, there's stuff that I forgot that happened yeah. or shots and and it's so it's it's cool for that and it's also a lot of fun to see the you know the the fans of the show and how much they like it and what they like and what really connected to them for me that's one of the funner things about uh, looking at watching the final product of the show yeah yeah i mean they have all become hugely popular and uh i'm waiting for them to rename cw dcw so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's probably coming pretty soon i think <laughs> it's i don't know what what the total amount of shows are on on the cw but the majority of them must be yeah. from uh, yeah an um, awful lot of them i think um yeah and most of them shot up near you, I guess, as well. You know, a lot of them are shot in in, Ghana, in Vancouver. So um, let's just move on to some slightly more general questions. Sure. What would you say is the most interesting experience you've had whilst working? Well, a lot of travel, I guess. Uh, like I was on Easter Island for a month shooting a documentary, which is amazing. I yeah. just remember sitting in a, uh, you know, it's funny, the island is so tiny and it's in the middle of the Pacific. It's like a five hour flight from Chile. And I was in the middle of one of the days, there was like a little coffee shop that you could go to and they had this super old computer in there and you could actually get onto the internet and send out (laughs) emails, which I kind of, I was doing and it was fun to do, but I kind of thought it was a little, it was a bit weird that I was in such a remote place, but I still had access to the internet. I almost wanted to not be able to do that. So I had to hand write a letter and mail it and then have (laughs) it delivered to my friends. And then the other, you know, the first job I did in Guyana, you know, just being in a different location, just totally out of your element, but having an amazing time and, you know, shooting a St. Patrick's documentary in Ireland was amazing. If you ever get into trouble with security at the airport and go trying to leave uh, Ireland, just let them know that you're shooting a St. Patrick's documentary and everything (laughs) becomes smooth at that point. The learning tips like that, um, you know, and just, and I went to Toronto three years ago. I got a random, you know, just connections, I guess, especially in this industry. And I'm sure in a lot of industries, when I moved back to Vancouver, I got a job at a company that shot music videos. And one of the directors at that company, years later, we happened to, I got hired to do Painkiller Jane. um, Yeah. And we they postponed it because they were trying to track down a director and uh, it got postponed about a month. And then I got a phone call from the producers who were in L.A. and they said that they had um, finally locked in a director and uh, the director had worked with me before and was excited to work again. And I'm like and I hadn't worked in L.A. and I was just like, that can't be possible. Like you guys must be pulling my leg or something. And then they told me that it was Nick and uh, Nick and I had worked like 10 years earlier at this company (laughs) shooting music videos. And I just thought it was the craziest thing that both of us had worked together, totally went opposite directions and came back together again. Yeah. And then he came, we did that and that, that worked out well. And then a Two years after that, he came to Vancouver and I did a TV movie with him. And then six months 
after that, I got a random email from him from Toronto saying that he needed somebody to come out and deal with the second unit on a show. And next thing I know is in Toronto for six months working on another show and, <laughs> you know, stuff like connections you make and working on projects that um, who would have thought that literally years later, working at his company that shot these crazy music videos, um, you know, I'd be getting emails from this, the same person that I'm working with. So yeah. it's, you know, Stuff like that for me is always cool. And just, and then just opening, like just randomly meeting people. And if I didn't, because I went to Toronto, I got into doing music videos in Toronto. And because I was out there, I met a couple of people and then I ended up getting a job shooting a Drake video. And that nice. wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gone to Toronto. And I wouldn't have gone to Toronto if I hadn't have met Nick years earlier. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no. all that stuff. And it's just, it's cool that, um, yeah, it's just things that small jobs, like one day jobs or something end up turning into just yeah. like the biggest career chance or <laughs> that you get, you know, out of the blue because you've done one thing or somebody works. I did inserts on one day on a show in Toronto. And then two years later, I got a, a call for work because of that and yeah what's that they say make sure you that you're nice to people on your way up because you do you may weep on the way down yeah for sure yeah you're obviously currently working as director of photography and uh shows like legends have different directors each week that have you ever thought about moving from director of photography to a full director yeah there's a lot you know just reading the scripts first time you go through in my head I sort of you know you visualize exactly what I think it should look like and yeah. then you I, to work with the directors but you know and and it's cool getting all these different directors come in so you you get to see their different process and how they attack stuff and and um at some point it would be good for me and and a lot of fun I think to be able to go and direct something and and the Berlanti group in particular, um, you know, seems to be very great about uh, offering cinematographers the chance to do that. And I've got a time travel project in my head that I've been working on, you know, in my head, at least I haven't actually <laughs> sat down to write the entire thing down yet, which a director friend of mine keeps hassling me about just sitting down and doing that. But that's a project that, um, a separate project that I'd like to do as a director. And I think it would be a lot of fun to, to do that. And, you know, maybe get my feet wet, you know, doing either a short first or maybe some music video stuff like this, the stuff I've shot music video wise, I think would be a lot of fun to go and direct some of that and yeah, yeah. get my bearings as a fully as a director before getting uh, dropped onto set for nine days on one of the, you know, our <laughs> show. It's, it's a, you know, I have a lot of respect for all the directors that come in because uh, especially this season, there's a bunch that haven't dealt with this this show uh, or the, you, you know, they haven't been on Flash or Arrow either. So they don't right. quite know, like they sort of know the scope, but you usually see it by the end of day one where they're just like, oh boy, you know, this is, <laughs> it's going to be fun, but it's going to be a big show to, to shoot. And yeah, um, but uh, yeah, at some point it would be great to be able to, to go and direct. Yeah. Cool. A couple of final questions. Because we cover a lot of TV shows on the website, one of the things that we always ask people is, uh, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Peaky Blinders is <laughs> one of my favorite shows. 
and it's not so much a TV show, I guess it's not sorry. Peaky Blinders is, but uh, Red Riding. I don't know if you've seen the those three movies. No, no, about no. The tracking down of the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh right, okay. No, I've not seen them. It's that's amazing, and I've I've used that show a lot as um, a lighting and a visual reference. Okay. Uh, and the three shows in particular, because I think one is set in 74, one is set in 1980, and one is set in 84. And each of them has uh, like a different style to it. Um, and it's, you know, there's a lot of English shows. Um, Sherlock, um, yes. you know, is, is pretty amazing. And then uh, North American shows uh, Bloodlines. I started oh, yeah. watching amazing yeah it's a bit of a different style to it than those shows but um and in it as a kid i remember watching and i don't know i must have been like eight but i remember watching the prisoner <laughs> right yeah yeah which uh, the opening credits of that freaked me out with that white balloon in the water coming up yeah and I, yeah. I i don't know how i actually got to see it but i remember me and my older sister actually would sneak down and watch i don't know if it was on cbc or what but We'd watch that show and then, you know, stuff like like crazy stuff. I guess the CBC used to replay all this stuff because I can't actually remember where I saw it. But I remember seeing the Avengers with, you know, the <laughs> 60s series and the Saints yeah. stuff to me. You know, when I was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, I used to watch all that stuff. But uh, yeah, right now. It's like Sherlock and, and Peaky Blinders and, and Red Riding and, you know, those cool. shows. Something about part of it is just it's a different world, a different, um, you know, different, uh, especially even the modern day stuff. Just, you know, you're seeing different cities and, and yeah. different, you know, shooting styles. Um, all that is very cool. Uh, I haven't keep hearing good things about Stranger Things, but I haven't actually seen any of that show yet. It's well worth watching. It's definitely oh, worth nice. watching, particularly if you're somebody that grew up in the 80s. It's definitely worth watching. Yeah. <laughs> My last question is, if you had any opportunity to work on any show, past, present or future, which show would it be? Excluding the one you're obviously working on. <laughs> you know, it would be, there's a couple of, cinematographers from Vancouver that have been uh, lucky, I guess. Uh, I don't know if that's fully the word, but the uh, they've done a couple episodes of Game of Thrones, which would be amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, like a Boardwalk Empire would have been a cool show to have, uh, have worked on. Um, I worked on one or two episodes of X-Files as an assistant, but shooting one of those episodes would have been amazing. Yeah. Back for another series, or it sounds like it's coming back for another series again. So yeah. <laughs> it did well. Like a lot of our crew that we're working with on our show had, they rolled right from doing the, that show into our show. Right. Of course it's shot up there, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So yes, yeah. yeah, so, but it sounds like they're they're trying to sort out another series of that again as well. So you never know; you may get the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's just I mean anything that again, like if you read read the script, wonder how you're going to do it um, would be like Band of Brothers would have been an awesome show oh, to have so shot. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and I mean reading the script, you would have just been like, "This is insane! How are we <laughs> going to attempt to do this?" You know, and this time period and that would have been good um you know there's a bunch of shows out there yeah. that uh it's a good selection 
Good selection. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for coming on and spending a bit of time chatting. It's been really, really good. I adore the show. It's uh, it's one of my favourite of the DC shows, so I, I really like it. And I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it. Awesome. Well, we'll have to do another conversation at the once the show finish showing and yeah, then yeah. I can be more in detail about some of the episodes, I that, guess. That'd be good. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Lovely to talk to you. Cheers. Bye. Great. Bye. So that was the interview with Malin. Hope you really like that. We've got some more DC-related interviews coming up over the next few weeks, so make sure you keep on downloading us. Next up, we have some air dates for you. Air date information this week. No cancellation, no renewals, uh, which is, is neither good nor bad. So we've got some changes coming up. I don't know if it's a renewal as such, but we've got we've got a few more episodes of Legends, don't we? Yes, that is true. There are there are a few more episodes of Legends. Um, which somebody was saying, is this a good sign or a bad sign? And I, I, it's actually a good sign that they've extended it by four episodes. It was never supposed to be a twenty-two episode series. It was always supposed to be shorter than the other DC shows. So the fact that they've added two more, four more episodes on is is a good sign, most definitely. It'd be interesting to see where they go with it and whether whether they're just kind of padding things out or whether they've actually got a storyline to fill those four episodes with. <laughs> yeah. It's always a to, danger. To create a pun, time will tell. <laughs> don't give um, up the date. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sticking with time travel shows, Timeless, which is one of the many, many time travel shows that is coming out of the US this season. Uh, this one stars uh, Goran Viznich and he plays the bad guy who steals the time machine in order to change history and there is a team that is sent back after him and it's basically them chasing him through time and trying not to mess up the timeline themselves. I know obviously this would have been pitched a very long time ago but the prospect of somebody going back in time and changing American history doesn't seem like such a bad thing anymore. <laughs> that's that's a very good point. <laughs> Um, so yes that's apparently coming to e4 on the 7th of december so that's one to look out for uh are we we looking forward to this one i i don't know um we'll see we'll see how it goes possibly there is a lot of time travel things around at the moment. I mean, there's Frequency, which is currently running on Netflix, which I'm really enjoying. There's a comedy one coming, and I can't remember the name of it, which looks quite interesting. But but I that that sort of because of the fact that it's not sort of a drama, it's a comedy. I think that one could be quite interesting when that eventually turns up. But it's not appeared anyway yet, so we'll see. There is a show called Delicious, which stars Dawn French. And it's about a sort of story. It's described as a story of love, heartbreak, food, and female friendship. So that's coming in December to Sky One. It's one of their new Sky One original shows. I'm not entirely sure whether that's a one season thing or whether it's it's going to run for multiple seasons. I'm not entirely sure at the moment. So we'll see. A lot of the Sky original stuff seems to be quite good. So we'll we'll see how it goes with that. Just back a few steps, and I'm just wondering if it, the 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 comedy time travel show you were thinking of is that is that making history yes yes that that's the one? one right yeah. yeah don't have any uk information on that do we no we don't yet i i'm surprised e4 didn't pick that up because it's it feels like a very e4 type of show but we'll see 
I, I'm not sure that it's aired in the US yet either, actually. So maybe that's why. But yeah. there is a animated show called Troll Hunters, which has got Gamilaro del Toro involvement yeah. and uh, DreamWorks are behind it as well. It's an animation about good and evil trolls, and they live under this like small American town. And the sort of kid in the town gets involved with it. That's starting on the 23rd of December, which uh, looks like it could be quite good fun. Is that anything to do with the uh, Norwegian Troll Hunters film that was out a couple of years ago? Or is it just that it happens to have the same name? I don't think so. I think it just happens to have the same name. Okay. I, it, it's most definitely a kid's animation. They had to do some recasting. I think Ron Perlman is possibly doing one of the voices. Um, but Anton Yelchin was supposed to be one of the voices. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, and so obviously that had to be recast. But uh, yeah, that so so that got put back a little bit. I think while they were they were sorting that out. But it's now landing on the twenty third of December. That thinking Ron Perlman, of course, of of Hellboy and Sons of Anarchy. I think his voice would lend itself very well to uh, a monstery troll. Yes. Um, and- that that's an inspired piece of casting there yes yes definitely and also returning who do you think you are which is the bbc's genealogy program that's back on the 24th of november at 8 p.m and the first one is apparently danny dyer so have you ever done that? Have you ever traced your family tree, Dave? Yes, I have, actually. I, I know where most of my family come from, pretty much. I've I managed to get it back six or seven generations. So That's, imp- that's impressive. On all strands? Yeah. on Certainly, I've got back about five generations on most strands. So oh, It starts getting very hard the further back you go. Yeah. It's a fascinating thing to do if you've never done genealogy. Go on to Ancestry.com or Genie com one of those sort of sites and uh, go and sort of put in some information and go and look for your name or your family's name your parents name your grandparents name go and look for it because it, it is absolutely fascinating thing to go and do it's really intriguing have you ever done any of it i i never actually needed to um, because long before the internet my uncle did it and he traced the family tree way back to the 15 and 1600s wow um, which was brilliant because when I did my uh, standard grade English, which is what um, GCSEs or O levels are called in Scotland, yes, uh, we were presented with the project of tracing one's family tree, um, and the work was already done for me. <laughs> I got a very good grade for it, actually, which is just, you know, <laughs> it's a long time ago, folks. Don't don't uh, <laughs> don't get me into trouble. Um, but yes, it, it, it's a lot of fairly repetitive names. People seem to use the same names over and over again. But the, the only interesting standout one was the guy that invented the postage stamp. Oh, wow. One of my ancestors. Yeah. The male side of my family, my, my father's side, mainly vicars. But on great-grandmother's side, that entire family, there is quite a lot of that around because it's related to the Tetley Bitter people. Right. So um, a lot of that, the Tetley family, um, that's different to the Tetley T family. I think there I was going to say, that's not the, not, the, not the gaffer and the little cartoon character. Yeah, no, it's, it's slightly different. Tetley Bitter, I, I, there may be some connection, but as far as I'm aware, I don't think there there is a, a direct obvious connection between the two. But um, okay. yes, people that make Tetley Bitter. So there is, there's quite a lot of family information about those already because a lot of people have done that family tree already. So, yeah. Right. Uh, but yes, the the guy that founded Tetley Bitter was my I think, three times great grandfather. So, 
Very good. But anyway, enough about our uh, enough about history. <laughs> Next we week, <laughs> yes, enough about history. Next week on TV, tonight's show with Jimmy Fallon starts on the fifteenth on E. As we said before, it, we know this has been shown on CNBC, but it was an edited version. This is go- now going to be showing the full unedited hour version on E from the fifteenth of the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. CNBC apparently, because they're not showing Jimmy Fallon anymore, have replaced. The, the slot with a half hour version of late night with Seth Myers, who's the other show that runs on NBC in the U S so that's going to be a half hour version showing at 11 PM on weeknights. So you can now watch Jimmy Fallon and Seth Myers, And uh, if you want to, if that floats you boat shooter, which is the Mark Wahlberg film that they've turned into a TV series is arriving on Netflix starring Ryan Philippe, that's on the 16th of November. No idea whether that's going to be any good or not, but the film was all right, so, you know, why not? I I quite liked the film. It wasn't spectacular, but I I do remember enjoying it. Yeah, so, you know, perfectly reasonable film. So whether it'll make a decent series, I don't know, but that's coming to Netflix on the 16th of November. That's Shooter. Pure Genius coming to the Universal Channel on the 16th of November at 9pm. This is a show about a Silicon Valley millionaire or billionaire that teams up with a maverick servant to create a hospital full of cutting-edge technology to treat rare and incurable diseases. Um, I seem to remember the ulterior motive behind that is because the billionaire that that sets up the hospital is also suffering from incurable disease so that's his motivation for setting it up in the first place but that's coming to that's pure genius coming to the universal channel 16th of november at 9 p.m so i think that might be one worth watching Hmm, i don't know uh it reminds me of something but i can't think of i can't i can't think of what which is very, which is frustrating. I mean, is there not something with that similar concept being done before, or am I, uh, am I wrongly? Uh, not that I can think directly of. It's a little bit house, I guess, but no, not that I'm aware of. So I don't know. Something about a surgeon or a doctor, maybe. Well, Maybe come back to me sometime. Yeah. You've got Blindspot returning to a second season. That's on the 17th of November at 9pm. I really enjoyed the first season of that. I thought that was really good fun. So looking forward to a bit more of that coming back. I did wonder how long you can string the premise out for, but they, they mm-hmm. seem to have managed to, to do it. So, Well, they managed to uh, string Prison Break out for four seasons and, and it's coming back. So I think Blindspot's <laughs> got a reasonable chance. Yes, yeah. So yes, that Blindspot returns 17th of November at 9pm. And the big one, The Grand Tour, season one, Amazon Prime Instant Video on the 18th of November that arrives. So that sees Clarkson, Hammond and May back messing around in cars that sounds interesting have we heard anything about that (laughs) (laughs) no no this tiny little car show that amazon prime (laughs) are airing um yeah sounds sounds cheap (laughs) yeah i i am looking forward to seeing a bit more of that there are people that have seen previews of it already that are saying bbc should be very very worried about this when they see it you never know. It might give them some inspiration. But uh, yes, 18th of November, that's coming. Blackish Season 2, that's starting on E4 on the 18th of November at 7.30. That's basically just continuing from Season 1 because they've got like five seasons to get through before they're up to date. So I think they're just going to run them all back to back. Longmire Season 5 coming to CTM. That's apparently at 7.40. That's now arriving on the 20th of November. 
This is the second, this is the last season or the second to last season. I can't remember what we what It's we definitely said. been, it was cancelled and then, and then resurrected for a bit. Um, yes, it, but then Netflix have just cancelled it again, I think, uh, or, or said that it is coming to an end. Yeah, no, it's got one oh, more season to come after this. I've just checked. It's unforgettable all over again. <laughs> yes, yes. It's the show that will not die. No, it, it was cancelled by its US network, saved by Netflix, ran for a few more seasons. I think that was after season three. Uh, so it's going to run until season six and then it's ending in season six. Longmire is still airing on CTM. So uh, they've apparently decided to air it at the random time of 7.40 on the 20th of November. So if you're a Longmire fan, that's where you can get it. Young and Hungry Season 2 coming to E4 on the 21st of November at 4pm. I have no interest in seeing that show. It's something about a young businessman that hires a personal chef. And they seem to be screaming through the episodes of it because I think it only started like a week ago for the first season. So it sounds like they're just going to run them multiple episodes back to back with that yeah and four four o'clock doesn't doesn't strike you as where you put your successful popular programs really no that's what we call padding uh so yeah yeah empire season 3b so um for those of you that have been following empire and seen it gone off air basically it went off air in the u.s i'm fairly sure it went off because of the baseball because of the world series because it was off for like a month so mm. I think, and it runs on Fox in the US, who have the World Series, so I think that's probably why it was off air. So that's coming back on the 21st at 10pm, so that's Empire Season 3B. The Affair, you'd have to have been living under a rock to have not seen an advert for for this if you've got Sky, because Season 3 of that has just been plastered everywhere. That's coming to Sky Atlantic on the 21st of November at 9pm. And finally, The Librarians, Season 3 of that comes to Sci-Fi UK on the 21st of November at 8pm. I've still yet to catch any episodes of this, but it, it looked like it, it could be quite entertaining. So, yes, another sort of... that was It was a film series originally, I think, with Noah Wilde from, yeah. uh, from ER. Yes, it was. It was a film series, and I think then they, they worked. I think Noah Wilde's still involved. I'm not sure whether he's on screen or not, but I think he's still a producer. And it was involved. he's basically kind of got them to make a series out of it. So mm-hmm. that's now been run. There's various movies and then it's it's run for three seasons now as a TV series on Sci-Fi. So uh, Sci-Fi UK Librarian Season 3, 21st of November at 8pm. So that's everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to add. That was it. Yes, I mean, I was just the last thing I think I noted down was um, Gilmore Girls. Oh, yes. Back at the end of November, I think, and I seem to remember somebody in the comments asking if I, if it was me that was a fan. I mean, I you know, I've been called many, many things in my life, um, but a fan of the Gilmore Girls, that, you know, just about brought me to tears. <laughs> yes, out of both of us, it is me that is the fan of the Gilmore Girls. And it's a great show. I don't know what you you've got against it i really like that show it's very very funny fair enough (laughs) (laughs) no it is it's it's well worth watching and you know it's gentle comedy but i think given everything that's gone on this week what you need in the world is friendly gentle comedy (laughs) yes i can't i cannot argue with that i cannot um looking forward I suppose it's coming up to that time where the big fat Christmas Radio Times comes out and highlighters get taken out of drawers. Yes, yes. And we should probably start having times and dates for Christmas specials, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we've got some of them. Uh, we know that Last Dragon Slayer is 
coming and that's the big Christmas special for Sky we've got uh, Doctor Who Christmas special which is going to be on the 25th as well there's loads of stuff coming up during December there's a surprising amount of stuff coming up during December as well actually um, really quite surprising um, Sherlock season 4 which is coming on 1st of January so yeah there's there's lots of good things to look forward to in, in the next month or so things to watch out for definitely yeah yeah, and keep refreshing the website yes. and get your Get your air dates. Yeah, so you can come to uh, geektown.co.uk to get the latest air date information and see the latest news. You can get in touch with your questions and comments and email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. You can leave a message on the website post. You can find us on Twitter at Geektown or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown, YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown or on Instagram at Geektown UK. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 